Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is a bit longer episode of Talking Tesla, about an hour, and it made me anxious because we've always tried to make this 30 to 40 minutes, and then I realised we have no idea what you want. So if you have an opinion about this, if you want a tightly edited 30-minute program, let us know. And if you don't care, if you want a longer program, a little looser like this one, again, let us know. It's all about you. So without further ado, let's start episode 35. My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're going to be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're going to be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Wow, we are here again, once again, talking Tesla. 35 post-SpaceX tour... Robert, you weren't on the SpaceX tour, but I have a non-SpaceX question for you. We have a lot to cover. Yes. But I have a question for you. You're sort of the, let's call you the car guy of the group of us, of okay. the three of us, right? you You get in a car and you see how far to the ground the pedal can go. Right. That's sort of your jam. Were you like that always before you drove Teslas or did Tesla make you insane? I think Tesla contributed to my insanity. All right. Absolutely. Because it's insanity at the touch of a toe. <laughs> See, now I don't find – I find the the pedal to actually be pretty hard. I had my first extended drive in the Tesla over the weekend. My wife was ill and I had to drive my daughter to Redlands for a gymnastics competition. So – couple of hours away. A couple hours of driving yeah, each direction for, I don't know, 45 seconds of competition. Basically. Excellent, excellent. Right? Like she's in three events and they don't last very long. I'm no math genius, but the efficiency <laughs> of the drive time to uh, competition right. time doesn't seem high. But, but it does have a little heavy pedal on it. I did engage the cruise control on the way home for the first time, which I enjoyed. No autopiloting. We stopped at the Rancho Cucamonga Supercharger. And here's a question. Did you buy bullets at the big store there? No, it was closed because it was like 9.30 at night. Awards went long. Oh, lordy. But the question I have is, who decided that you had to back in at freaking superchargers? Yes. What the hell is yes. up with that? Yes, oh, I'm so every glad you bring this up. Every parking lot I've ever, you go into that parking lot, every other car is front in. Yes. Every Tesla is rear in. What the hell's up with that? I, it is one of my pet peeves that most Tesla superchargers you have to back into. Oh. I don't back very well. It's very stressful. <laughs> I, whenever I get to a supercharger, I'll see the Ford driving in ones. And I will cut you off to get to that performance. <laughs> I want to drive in forward ways. There's You're none a- of those at Cucamonga, though. Yeah. And they all have, and I never noticed this at any other Tesla superchargers, but maybe they exist, 30-minute signs, like 30-minute right. parking signs. Yeah, They that, all had that or they didn't? They all had them. Mm. Yeah, that's new. I've just been noticing that a lot uh, since the, the controversy. Which is a bummer when all of them are full, or at least you can't find an individual open supercharger, which yeah. is a point we should probably make. Yeah. You know, the supercharger is always numbered 1A, 1B, Correct. 2A, 2B. Mm-hmm. So both ones are considered a supercharger. And A and B share the same circuit. Yes. So if somebody plugs into A, mm-hmm. they're going to get full juice. As soon as somebody plugs into B, if A's already got a good charge on it, they're going to drop their amperage way low so that B can get a faster charge. So if you pull into a supercharger, always go for an empty number. In other words, if you see the ones are empty, go for mm. that. And I always do that. Like I try and aim. This is my secret. Now I'm screwing it all up. Yeah. Tell the world. I'm screwing it all up. If I find a place where like number uh-huh. one is a handicapped charge spot. It's unlikely somebody's going to be charging a Tesla and handicapped at the same time. It's just a lower probability. So I'll go for 1B. But then I see people all the time pulling in. There's only one car there, me, in bed, in 5A, and they pull into 5B. Hmm. And I'm like, could you please move over? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and I have to go through this explanation. Yeah. So now hopefully they'll have listened to the podcast. Hopefully. Because we've got how many thousands of listeners? 5,000 or something. Yeah. Great. And so we need everybody listening to it. And then they'll know not to mess with me when I'm charging. <laughs> not to mess with Robert's Tesla. There was a very, very, very old man that told me that when I first did my first Tesla drive, he had a some sort of a brown Tesla. It was like number 41. Nice. And uh, I did that to him. I was like, oh, but my first supercharger. And he's parked there and I parked next to him and plugged him. He's like... Dude, what are you doing? Get away from me. Like, I want to talk Move to you. Move over. Most of them were empty. 
The other thing about Rancho Cucamonga, it's in this big outdoor mall area right adjacent to it. But there's also, and I don't know how new this is because I've never been to the Cucamonga Charger before, normal Tesla non-supercharger chargers there now. Oh, they nice. added like That's three new. or four for when you're going to the slots. When you're going to the 26plex. You know, they have two two theaters there. One is like a 17plex and another is like a 24plex. Well, there, it's Rancho Cucamonga. There's nothing else to do. So yeah, you're going to the movies a lot. It's not as less to do as there is in Redlands because we were in Redlands High School and holy mackerel, there's nothing around there. So that's interesting. This Because uh, we just saw that at SpaceX. So we're going to talk about SpaceX yeah. now. But at the Supercharger at Hawthorne at SpaceX, there's superchargers and quite a lot of them. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of just 80 amp normal chargers. Right. And uh, they're called destination chargers. Are there 80 amp chargers? They're 80 amp. I assume that they're 80 amp like I have here at home. So you're going to the mall. I don't really need supercharging. People need to get in and out fast there on their trip. But I'm going for two hours, plug in there. I like that. I think it's a good idea. And less infrastructure, less cost, I assume, to chuck those puppies in. Yeah, there's a lot of stalls there. There's like a big L series of, of superchargers. I don't know how many. look like 15 or 20. Most of them were empty. I'll be honest with you. I parked right next to someone else. I'm not sure if they were an A or a B or whatever, but there were open slots. I could have gone around the corner and, and supercharged. But I got like 130 miles in the 40 minutes I was walking around that mall. So Wonderful. It was all great. And then I, Did you get some barbecue while you were there? I did not get some barbecue, although there was a kick-ass blues band in the bar next mm. to Lucille. So that was pretty cool. And we just sort of walked around. Uh, Hannah got like a hot dog on a stick. She wasn't feeling very happy post-gymnastics. So uh, she, didn't stick she to wanted some fried cheese on a stick. And so we <laughs> yeah, that's what her. comfort <laughs> food. And yeah. almost everything else was closing down because it was, it was later at night. No Bass Pro Shops. We were going to go and get matching camouflage uh, hoodies. Mm. Oh, nice. But uh, Bass Pro Shops, be. for those that are uh, not from the United States, or I don't even know if it's on the East Coast, is a big shop where you can buy you can uh, fishing reels, and you can buy camouflage, and you can buy bullets and guns, and it's a scary, wonderful place. There's like, also an entire aisle to prepare things you've killed in the wild, which is great, like smokers and making your own sausages, and that's the right. aisle as a food person that always interests me at that place. I'm like, it's kind oh, of like L.L. Bean West. <laughs> yeah. If the vo- zombie apocalypse starts, that's the place to smash the window of and raid because all the stuff you'll need for zombie apocalypse, bass. True. And then you can the, take all your weapons to the, Costco and smash windows at Costco. The and they also have an indoor uh, archery range. Uh, archery, gun. I believe there's a place where you can stab people. <laughs> Stabatorium. Stabatorium. Yeah. All right. We should get into I this show, I want to hear about though, SpaceX. I want to hear about SpaceX. So, SpaceX. Robert Bingham, who is a listener to the show. Yeah. Hey, Robert. How you doing? Thanks again so very much. He uh, invited us to come down. He actually works for SpaceX. He's one of the first employees yeah. down there. And he said, come on down. So Tom and me and Cece and my son and Josh, who was doing Shabam and the next episode, next yeah. series is going to be about space. So we thought we'd better take him down there. Um, we went to SpaceX and Tom... Tom, summary, go. You can't say too much or we have to kill you because we had to show them our driver's licenses and passports and crap and fingerprinting retinal and uh, scan. retinal scans and testicular motion scans. There's a lot of stuff going on there. 90% of that stuff did not happen, although the testicular thing happened in the car. That was you, Mel. Yeah, that, that was, was weird. weird. That, thing. Was, that was sort of like, oh, you want to get into the X? I'm going to have to check your balls. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that. But we go into SpaceX. You get a little badge, which uh, mine was number 101. I really wanted to keep it, but yeah. I couldn't. They, mm-hmm. they take your ID, and then we waited for Robert. Robert showed up, and he walked us in there, and there's this sort of blue line area, and he'll explain everything. But the first thing you see when you walk in is backup mission control. Yes. And then main mission control. And the one thing that you don't know from watching SpaceX launches on TV is that there's no big screen. It's a projector. The whole thing on the wall behind them, they project it so they can put whatever the hell they want up on there. My guess is they've watched Iron Man in there you know, at least sure. a couple of times. And then you see the giant landing leg, right? They have a model, full-size model of the landing leg. I guess they're pretty proud of it right there in the thing. And they raise it up uh, during those launches so you don't see it. But it's carbon fiber. And mm-hmm. I found out later, I did a little research uh, inside is an aluminum honeycomb frame, and that's what's wrapped around it. And it is massive. And what did you say, Mel? Wow, I guess the rockets are pretty big because the leg is big. On a 60-inch TV, the rocket's like four or five inches tall. That's about it's, it. It is a, <laughs> It was impressive uh, to see that they are actually building rockets. I yeah. mean, it's like you're going, they're like, 
hello, these Assembly people are line. building rockets down yeah. the street from us. And then they ship them off to Cape Canaveral. They ship them up to uh, where Lompoc. They take uh, them all to Texas first. Fascinating. We didn't know oh, this, right? right? Yeah. They take so them to Texas first. They're, they're the biggest builder of rocket, rocket engines in the world combined. They make more rocket engines there, the single engines, because there's nine of them on each right. rocket. They have to pack right? a bunch on there. Right. They make more of those than all the other people making rocket engines combined. Actually, 10, because there's the Merlin engine. Correct. That's in the it's first. The same engine. It's right. the exact same engine, just has a different cone on it. Right. It's kind of tweaked. It's for got a high beard. Altitude. It's got a it beard, is. and it's a it's little taller. The, it's, it's actually tweaked. Smart. Tweaked for the vacuum in space. Merlin has a rod, a staff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was pretty. Bad, it was awesome. It was uh, pretty cool. If you ever get a and chance, and they have to a go titanium three D printer. Yeah, yeah isn't that cool? Some, that thing was awesome. That, oh, there were so many cool things down there. But you can't go into a lot of areas because, you know, they don't want the North Koreans coming over and go, oh, that's how you launch a missile around the world. Right. Did, did you get to see any new spacesuits? Did they no, show off the they space didn't show suit? the spacesuits. No. They, the they had a big clean room for the manned mission, and they had a little capsule in there where they were doing stuff because they're going to be putting men into the moon. So Robert was funny because he worked <laughs> – They're not putting men into the moon, buddy. Yeah, that's not, inside. It's that's made of cheese. absolutely not happening. It's you made, made that I up. saw the movie. It's like okay. you weren't even on the tour. And uh, so the one thing, that, <laughs> funny thing that Robert said was just to get a little insight as how these engineers feel. So he's an engineer that works on the, uh, the feet that hold it up, the carbon fiber thing. He works okay. on that thing. He works on a lot of things, but that's one of he. And he when it lands, the, the, the hinge for that. When it landed, and it's sitting there, him and his buddies are going, "Oh God, please don't break!" Because <laughs> they'll know it's us. <laughs> well, the first, yeah. One of the first times in one of the yeah. first four failed attempts at landing, the pin broke. Yeah, and the leg collapsed. Oh, it's Robert's fault. No, he didn't work on the pin. Well, he was very explicit about it. That was not my pin. That was not my pin. I did not build that pin. No, because all those people have been fired. <laughs> no. Um, so, many so more SpaceX stuff. Let's talk about Engadget. Uh, is, I read this on Engadget that the beam I is going to beam. be inflated on May 26th. That's the big puffy balloon thing. Just like that. We call it the bouncy house of space. So they're going to... Uh, we, and by we, he means him. Uh, I thought it was you. And so they're going to... Puff that thing up, and they're not really going to live in there. They're going to make sure it's okay, put in some instruments, and then do some testing for a year. Yeah, they're going to go in and out of it. They're going to see how it deals with little micro uh, implosions because it's going to get hit a lot by things because right. there's a lot it's of crap in space. Kevlar skin. Right. They've actually had one up in space now for six years. They think And it's, it's been up there with a camera in it, and they've been watching it. I, they haven't announced what happened to it. Yeah. Maybe it's all raisined down and all <laughs> looking bad, like you don't want to be hanging out in there. Right. You could actually have sent up your child's favorite toy. They actually put like a whole bunch of stuff in there. I think it was 25 grand. You could have gotten space in the original. It wasn't called Beam. I can't remember. It was Bigelow Expandable something. What year was this? 2009. What was Adam's favorite toy in 2009? Yeah, it would have been like... Uh, Legos. Xbox. Yeah, it might have been like a Millennium Falcon Lego. Buzz Lightyear. Cool. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Do you get it back? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's all radioactive. It stays It'll, it'll burn up on re-entry. <laughs> so uh, that's going to happen on May 26th. We'll I see like how that, that goes. I want, and, I want uh, one. How much would you spend to stay in a Bigelow Quality Suites in, in space? space? I wouldn't spend any because in space, nobody can hear you scream. Right. It's not the- Aliens made it's it not, all just wreck Jaws, I don't like to swim in the water anymore because of Jaws. Mm-hmm. Aliens, I don't want to be in space. Right. These movies, so you you're should out. think about it. I'm out. <laughs> there's going to be a big thing. It's going to burst out of my chest. But you love zombies and they're on this planet. How do you live here? Well, I think I can take zombies. I can't take the space alien. He's got acid for blood. You just are. For, you just know zombies don't want you. The space to. shuttle tank, Tom. You're a big LA guy. You've grew up here. You love yeah. LA, and these sort of events uh, get you going. So, what did they do yeah. with the space shuttle tank? They brought it from the East Coast through the Panama Canal over to the Marina del Rey because everybody likes to go to the marina. I mean, oh, it's who lovely. Doesn't? It's beautiful. <laughs> New Orleans, and then they put it on a on a on a specially designed thing, and they brought it to the space center. It's going to be. The only place in the world, world that you can see a shuttle, the two boosters, and the external tank. Because this is the only flight-ready external tank left because the rest of them have burned up in the atmosphere on a re-entry. Word. As it were. So this one was built for Columbia. It was the sister tank. It would have been on Columbia's next mission had Columbia not unfortunately broken up in 2003. And the Science Center... 
worked really, really hard to try to uh, get it because they wanted to have one complete thing together. They're gonna they're gonna show it vertically when we have they're opening a new whole space wing over there apparently, and it's all gonna be in there. I don't think they're gonna put the Columbia vertically. The Columbia is pretty cool to walk under and like go check out. It's not vertical. I haven't been. It's not the there. Columbia it's the, actually over there. It's, it's, it's the, the Columbia blew up, but yeah. it's the shuttle that they have there. I don't know which Endeavor. one. It is. Endeavor or the Endeavor. I think it's Endeavor. It's Endeavor. Yeah, but it is so cool. And I have been enamored with the shuttle program since uh, I was a small child, and I've actually seen a shuttle main engine test from about a mile and a half away. I had a friend who worked at Rocketdyne during the heyday of the system, and being that close to even one of those engines was amazing it just rumbles in yeah. your chest oh my so God. it's you, so frighteningly amazing we yeah. have to go to a launch sometime it yeah i went awesome. to the launch with the family last time and in we the, should all pile in the fog. but you couldn't see a thing but it was so powerful yeah. that yeah. it's like oh my gosh so uh tom i know you like hydrogen i love it big fan i want to play something and this is from what's his name Martin Martin Eberhard, who was one of the uh, original founders of Tesla, right? And so he was talking to uh, the Internet History podcast, and he it was an hour and a half, and you should go check out that uh, interview. It's really good. Um, but let's talk about hydrogen because he's this is why Tesla did not use a hydrogen fuel cell, and I want to play this for no other reason than to upset Tom. Correct. If your goal is to reduce energy consumption, or specifically oil consumption, but, but just, you know, it, it, in any given resource, you, you want to use it as efficiently as possible, right? So, uh, you know, you don't want to pick something that just consumes lots of that for no apparent reason. And hydrogen, you know, was the, is uniquely bad. Um, it, it is, it, you know, there's, there's a thing in the auto industry that says hydrogen is, is the future of transportation and always will be. Uh, and uh, it it's a scam, as far as I can tell, uh, because the energy equation is terrible. It is just terrible, because hydrogen, they always, the proponents always say, oh, but it's the most abundant element in the universe. Uh, but it's abundant out there in the universe, not here. We live on a planet. You know, on a planet, all the hydrogen is it's super reactive. It's bound up into everything. It's bound up into water and wood and everything else. Um, so the only way that you get hydrogen is that you have to pour energy in to, to make it. You have to break it free from the chemical bonds that it's bound up into. So electrolysis is the, the most common thing. You know, you put, put you know, electricity in water and it, it, it separates it. Um, but, you know, so you're making, you're pouring energy in in order to make the hydrogen. And then you have to, to compress it and, then you, and that takes energy. Uh, and then you have to transport it to wherever you actually need it, which is, you know, very difficult because hydrogen is actually much more, much harder to work with than, than gasoline uh, or, or even natural gas. And natural gas is not that easy. Uh, and then, and then you have to convert it ultimately in a car. You have to, and then you have this very high pressure vessel in your car, which has its own, you know, danger, safety issues around it. And then on top of that, you have to convert it back into electricity. To make the car go, because uh, you know it, the hydrogen-powered cars are really electric cars that just have an extraordinarily bad battery, mm. and because hydrogen isn't a—it's an energy carrier. It isn't—it's it, not a—it's not a primary fuel source on this planet. I mean, you know, maybe out somewhere in the universe, you know, it, it might be, but but not on not on not on terrestrial planets. So. Uh, and and so when you add that all up, it turns out that the amount of energy in per kilometer driven is just terrible. I mean, it's way worse than almost anything else that you can you can come up with, um, which I've always suspected is one of the reasons why the energy companies have been big proponents of it. And when we were when we were raising money the first time, you know, and we had really carefully gone through all the math to understand fuel cells because there was a bunch of money going into fuel cells at the time. Um, and also we looked at, you know, biofuels and, you know, ethanol, and, you know, we sort of went down the whole list and figured out, you know, what the, what the most energy-efficient system was, which turned out to be battery electric cars, because charging lithium-ion batteries is, like, over 90% efficient, and then discharging them is also over 90% efficient, so, you know, you hardly lose anything in the, in the storage part. But uh, we would go to these VCs, and we would say, you know, so they, about half, we had a whole slide deck on, on why hydrogen fuel cells were a bad idea, and about half the VCs would get to that slide, and they'd say, oh, skip this. You know, we, we know it. You know, and actually, one of them used the word scam. Oh, we know it's a scam. Just go, you know, mm. we, we've done the, literally, we've done the analysis. We know. Mm. And the other half of the VCs would get real quiet. 
and ask lots of questions about it and have us go back over the slides again about the hydrogen fuel cell because they had, of course, invested in fuel cell, <laughs> all of which went out of business uh, because it just didn't for, – for, for, for transportation, there are fuel cells that are useful uh, for other things. You know, there's some, some really funny solid oxide fuel cells. There's ones that are like in the basement of the New York Stock, uh, the stock Exchanges that run on natural gas, and they're used for backup power because they can't use diesel generators in downtown Manhattan. Uh, but, you know, there's, so there's some specialty things, but for, for, you know, storing energy and driving cars, it's insane because you almost get nothing, you know, for the kilowatt hours you put in. That sounds great. Let's get one of those. Hey, Tom, do you think we should put in millions and millions of dollars oh, into a hydrogen infrastructure not, for driving? Not my tax dollars, I'll tell you that right now. That is bull****. If you listen to that, and still think that buying your uh, Toyota Mirai is a good idea, uh, you are wrong. You Cuckoo. need to stop. And clearly, clearly, I was right all along. I was thinking about you, Tom, the other day. <laughs> Probably within the last week, I was driving on the freeway and saw this interesting car. You know, all the new Pre-i and the new Toyotas <laughs> around. They all have this angular back end. Yeah, Even the, the Honda's going that way. And I saw this one. I didn't recognize it. So, of course, in the Tesla, I was able to change lanes yeah. and get up right next to it. Uh-huh. And I looked, and it was one of these Mirais. Yeah. And I thought... Is Tom driving that? <laughs> Not. There was a look of panic on the man's yeah. face or the woman's face as they're like, oh, my God, the next hydrogen fueling station is 800 miles away. I actually right. drove. I've got 300 miles of range. I drove the Clarity, the Honda version. The best thing about it, mm-hmm. it had air-conditioned seats. But cool. when I put my foot down and I tested where the ground was, so like no it was the sluggish. It was so sluggish. It was so heavy. Probably weighed the same as the Tesla, but it had no pickup. Right. It had no pep. It was so disappointing. Like the Prius, kind of, right? Have you driven Worse. a Prius? Wow. Well, I have a Prius. We have a plug-in oh, Prius. Terrible. Worse. Terrible pickup on that car. Yeah. So let's talk about autonomous driving because <sighs> I just wanted to get Tom upset. It's, Thanks. It's That's a bit upsetting. really helpful. It's, it's just upsetting because, you know, again, California seems like it's all in. And actually, I want to make one more comment about this. Please, right? go so on. So this goes back to why... Los Angeles doesn't have a rail system of anything. The old red car. Great, the old red cars, right? Now, oh, everybody's all excited. We spent $1.5 billion to run a rail system 11 miles from downtown to almost the ocean, which is great. We're real excited about that. Go Metro. But that line existed back in the day and uh you know in cahoots with the car companies and the tire companies and the fuel companies la ripped all of that crap out as a transplant to los angeles i can attest that this is one of the first stories that you hear when you move to los angeles that this giant conspiracy between gm and firestone they ripped out all of the trains in this incredible public transport system to put in gm related buses etc now that is true in part but the story is far more complicated and interesting and that, and we'll get back to it on a future episode of Talking Tesla. But for now, back to hydrogen. And so this hydrogen thing is kind of the same thing. The fuel companies are like, "What is Chevron? What are we going to do in twenty years?" Boondoggle. When, yeah, it's boondoggle. It's not cool. And those people obviously spend a lot of money on politics. So of course they get a lot of access, and they get they the. It's hard for them to find a way to make money on solarly recharging cars in twenty five years. Like very difficult. For Tom. Them. Tom, here's your Xanax. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank God we have a doctor here. Look, <laughs> uh, let's talk about autonomous driving before Tom busts a valve. So uh, I wanted to say, and I'll sort of jump around a little bit here. Yeah. First of all, I've been driving the wife's car whenever she lets me, which isn't very much, let's be honest. Thank you very much. We took it to SpaceX. Though. We did take it to SpaceX. And I've been using the autonomous driving, so I'm not as experienced as most of you out there, but I have used it a lot. The, I do like it. Um, yeah. I really want it in my S. I'm not going to pay that guy 10000 bucks to do it. Yet. But it's still a little bit freaked out by it. I think it's psychological. I still find that it sort of drifts a little bit between the lanes sometimes, and that makes me yeah. anxious when there's a big truck next to you. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at some of the tech behind it to see, you know, what's it going to take for this to be fully autonomous and why does it do a little drifting? And so when I read about this, there's a number of competing technologies. But Elon in particular says, well, we could use what Google does. And Google uses this light-sensing radar. It basically produces this laser, and it fires it out all around it. Yeah. It creates a 3D map. It overlays it on the 
on the sort of the heads-up display or on the map so that the car knows where to go, right? Very expensive, $80,000. And this is on the top of the little Google car. Yeah. It looks like a uh, box of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's a little bubbly Google car with Kentucky Fried Chicken on the top, and that's the laser. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, very expensive. So Elon and his friends have said, well, you really don't need to do that. You basically can use, use some uh, very um, commonly found sensors and some radars and some sort of backup camera-like technology. Right. And you can do learning, almost as good. Machine learning from other cars. It needs to learn a lot. Like the one thing, the, the side-to-side thing bothers you. What bothers me is the sort of yes, the, the breaking jerkiness. and the jerkiness of the of the acceleration of it? Like it goes like it drives like a new driver. Like it's a it's basically a teenage driver is kind of what it feels like to me. So the sensors on the side only go out to about sixteen feet. That was one of the things I was interested in. How far can that front sensor on the the radar on the Tesla go? It's not clear. It's hundreds of feet. But that is my single biggest beef, and you've seen it on some YouTube videos as well. You as a human right now, you can see ahead of you and you go, oh, the traffic stopped. But the Tesla, particularly when you first put it into that mode, speeds up to freeway speeds, and you're like, hang on a minute, in about one second, you're going to have to slow down. And so I still find it quite jerky. I think this will get fixed in software, but I was wondering about, is it a limitation of the current technology that it just can't see far enough to know what's going on? And that made me wonder, what are they going to put into the Model 3? Because I think it's simply a function of it can't see far enough ahead to note that the car's way up there, hundreds and hundreds of feet up have slowed down. And I think the Model 3, it has to be magnitudes of times better than it is right now because you're talking about a lot more people who are just buying this car who aren't like crazy tesla car people who really think about autonomous driving and have researched it and are really thoughtful about it it's just going to be everybody right it's going to be literally everyone people are just like i'm going to get a car today they may not even know what autonomous driving is or means they're going to get in that car they're going to turn it on and bad things could technically happen so i think it needs to be three or four times more thoughtful than it is right now. Would you agree with that, Robert? I mean, like generations better than it is now. Yeah, I think The interesting thing is that between the time we record this show, Monday morning, and it comes out Wednesday? Yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uber, Google, and who knows who else is already going to have another generation better autonomous driving. This is happening so fast. And so I was reading up about the Google car, because I thought that was really fascinating. And I found that the Google cars had some remarkable events. So they're using all the technology. And hopefully their car actually has a sensor that is above the hood. Because <laughs> with, that, with that box of chicken, it's fried chicken soon. on the roof, they best Robert. not hit a tree because then $80,000 <laughs> off the top. Yeah. And so they had, in 2009, they showed, um, I saw a video where the Google car was trapped at a four-way intersection yeah, because it was waiting for the people crossing the road to stop. It wasn't aggressive enough. And so you think about it, they actually not only have to uh, program the sensors, recognition, how much to move, safe distances, what's the right time to turn, the speed limit, the traffic rules, they have to actually program it to match the aggressiveness of the environment. So so So, specifically what happened there was the Google car gets to a four-way stop and it stops. And its algorithm says, you don't go until everybody else stops and you go in this order. This is California and nobody stops. We slow right down, but we're still crawling a little bit. And the Google car goes... Well, I can't go because the algorithm says that car must go to a full stop. So that happened in California. That happened in California. Four hours. It's classic. Correct. And so they have to actually uh, program it for the aggressiveness of the area. So if you're in Manhattan, the car has to have one behavior. (laughs) If you're in rural Iowa, I've never been to rural Iowa, so I'm going to pick on them. You have to have another (laughs) behavior. Well, actually, I was, you know, I've been in places like like, um, San Luis Obispo. People drive there, they're really nice. I was there with the Tesla early on, and I'm at a stop street. Uh, It's like a four-way light in the middle of town, and I'm dicking around with the screen because I got distracted and the light turned green. My wife kind of clears her throat, the light's green. And then finally she's like, Robert, the light is green. And I look up and it turns red and there's a car behind me. They never honked. They'd been there the whole time. And I thought, wow. They were not from LA. We need to program the car differently (laughs) here not to run people over. 
But like, imagine some of those really difficult intersections in Manhattan. There's an intersection in Woodland Hills. It's the only intersection in the valley that I know does this. It has X crossing. Yes. Right. So, like, that's a one-off intersection where all f- it's a four-way red light, but people will cross in the middle of the intersection. And and again, like, they have to know all of that for these autonomous vehicles and again they'll get there eventually they'll have driven through all these intersections i'm sure teslas have driven through that intersection with autopilot and that data has gone back but if all the companies aren't sharing that data right if the google car hadn't gone through that if the uber car hasn't gone through that then there'll be a learning curve for all of them eventually i feel like they all need to kind of get together and have like one big meeting of autonomous vehicles and do best practices like usb everybody yeah, agrees sure. on usb right. and yeah. that'll probably be via legislation and stuff at some point you'd think that might have to happen but the you so you brought up the google autonomous car so you've got the you've got the google autonomous car which looks like a disneyland ride i think you wrote with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken on the top. We're really getting a good image of it now. You've got a Tesla that looks like something out of the future and you can't see any of the sensors and it's beautiful. Uh-huh. And now you've got the Uber car, which looks like a normal car with some gigantic trunks and speakers and stuff yeah. that's attached to the top. It's and a it's rave got, car. It's also got the Kentucky Fried Chicken on and top. And it's got the Kentucky Fried And it actually has LiDAR off the back end in the back corner panel on the passenger side And look as at well. the one on the very front grill. There's a little thing Yeah, there's one there. Out. There's one, I think, maybe does the, there. Does the bucket spin or is something inside the bucket inside. spinning? It does laser spins. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it re- watches for the reflection. It's like an air traffic control car. I, I counted... 15 sensors just on the view of the car online and looking at the other side of the car there's probably at least another nine sensors so 24 sensors so what the hell are they doing that tesla isn't or what is tesla doing that they aren't this is well there you know there is a great youtube video um, and presentation by the head of um, google driving technologies and you'll see that this lidar is way more sophisticated than what is in the current tesla it's way more sophisticated so i think i've talked about it before but they're at a stop sign and there's lots of cars around and there's the google car and everybody the the light changes to green and everybody takes off and they start to accelerate. The Google car can see, because it's got this better LiDAR, that there is a guy on a bicycle that is coming down the street and is going to blow through the red light. None of the humans can see it. The Google car doesn't go. This guy blows through the light as people are accelerating, almost kills them all. That technology is not on the current Tesla. The Tesla would have just gone. Right. So the LiDAR is much better, but they're saying if we just add more sensors, then we can do the same thing for a lot less. I'm no expert in this, but... Fully autonomous driving has got to have way more sensors than we have way right more. now. But they say the Model 3 is going to have all of the stuff it needs, and then you'll be able to switch it on. But the Google, the Tesla doesn't stop at red lights. No. I mean, and that's a very basic kind of situation that, you know, you run into every day. Well, you, it'll stop what? at a stop sign. Tom, you stop at red lights? Will it stop at a stop sign? No. So this doesn't is what stop at all, you brought right? this up. So I've only had autonomous driving in my X for a month. Yeah. But that's and when you turn it on, it, there is this an, initial switch. Is like it's really a stopping and going, stopping and going. You don't realize it's looking at the car in front of you. Right. No car in front of you. It's not reading the stop sign right now. Right. So you can go if you're using it on the street, you'll blow right through that. But if you don't get, and I don't think I was actually adequately prepared for that. Um, if you're not adequately prepared, I think you're right. If you say to somebody, yes, uh, it's a semi-autonomous vehicle, people are not going to hear this semi. They're going to hear the autonomous. Tesla Nation, there (laughs) is a risk. Do not watch the early YouTubes of autonomous driving Teslas because since then, they have dialed back the autonomy because people were doing stupid there's a guy not I don't this is not one of the stupid guys but there was a guy who had a video and or a blog where he started in Topanga Canyon and drove all the way to Burbank without any touching of the wheel he didn't steer at all and then after these reports came out Tesla has dialed back the level of autonomy so did it stop then I think it did he said he didn't touch the car but it PCH doesn't have a, to the ten. I didn't think it had a, the high reaching enough sensors to, to well. It can stop read. Signs. It can read speed and stuff. So right, with the that's true, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. Well, even Elon said after uh, what I can't remember his exact words. There's some pretty scary videos out there. He yeah. said and that's <laughs> yeah. the software up like dialed it back. Right. Very interesting. And just one other thing. Um, 
Apple, the Titan Project, which is their autonomous vehicle, they just invested $1 billion Billion. into a Chinese company. Which, coincidentally, they found in their couch. Yeah. So this is moving fast. We're probably... This is going to turn into, I guarantee you, this is going to be the autonomous vehicle slash Tesla podcast in about three years from now. But Didi, the billion-dollar investment, is like the Chinese Uber ride-sharing service, basically. So they definitely are feeling like that's... I mean, obviously, that's a huge market for autonomous vehicles. These are people who who don't are not already so entrenched in car culture, but will eventually want to be more middle class and want to get around. But they won't need to own cars. So autonomous driving and the whole Uber model in China could be massive. That car is really ugly, Robert. This, Robert is showing this a Google car Google is going to go big in China. They <laughs> yeah, love Disneyland. I'm sure. They this should paint it like, yellow. It could be a minion. <laughs> yeah, it's just – it's got the face. I think this is yeah. going to really appeal yeah, to yeah. a lot of the I Disneyland-ish. totally agree. I think in China, in India, in all these emerging markets, autonomous, Uber-like, ride-sharing services are going to be massive. And, of course, Apple recognizes this. Apple recognizes that its growth in tablets and phones can only be so much. And so why not go – all in on a new, newish, let's call it a newish thing in emerging markets. It's a smart, smart move by Apple. And clearly they have the money. Like, so Apple's sitting on, we'll move right into the next segment. Apple's sitting on $200 billion. And everybody was like, amazed. Last week, Tesla announced they're going to raise $2 billion by selling some stock. And Apple's like, that's adorable. You guys are so cute. You're going to raise some little money that we found in our couch cushions to make your little factory bigger. So, like, what kind of impact could Apple really have with that money? What are the, this really brings up what are the, waiting for so the two billion that uh, tesla just raised by creating more stock out of the air and selling it and it sold no, very it's quickly stock they already own oh i thought they just <laughs> they created, created out of the air, like money so they needed this for the model three yeah. ramp right so that's all good and they got that was a reaction that. that was a reaction to the massive amount of orders right, right. so they were 15 like, billion dollars in orders mackerel we better ramp up production or people are not going to get their cars well in because time. the wall streeters were calling them out on it and saying yeah. this is absolutely fantasy. impossible right yeah. so why i still don't understand why apple and is it why doesn't apple with all of this money say uh here is a big investment into tesla give us 10 percent of the company with money in the couch cushions it'll give Tesla more than enough money to do this ramp, then they can bring in their autonomous stuff. Is it just because Tim Cook and Elon Musk are not going to work together? You can't have two type A's in the same Because they don't need to. Tesla's already got a valuation of $35 billion. Why would Apple need to get involved in that when they could just do their own thing, right? Just steal as many engineers as they they can. They would be more apt to buy the entire company, which is currently not completely for sale right that that would be more of an apple kind of move to do it just doesn't matter and again apple didn't create the smartphone and apple didn't create the tablet they waited until they got it right and then they put it out and that's what apple does they just make it cooler so yeah thank you tesla thank you google thank you everybody we're going to tweak it we're going to put an apple logo on it and we're going to smooth out some edges (laughs) and johnny ives is going to paint it yellow and then they'll and boom, they take out. And of course, they'll put some freaking proprietary Apple charging thing on it, and yeah, everybody will be like, ah, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. Tell us a feel good story to make us feel better. Come on, Tom. The feel good story. So there's this couple. There's not a whole lot of meat to this story. There's a couple in the Ozarks, and they just became a Tesla They're brother family. and sister. No, that is mean spirited. <laughs> How dare you? That is rude. They do that love each other. Hopefully, we'll edit that out. Hopefully and they don't. basically bought a Tesla, and they put a charger in on their property, but they put it where everybody could use it. So they basically put a public charging station on their phone. You know, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of this because I have that same desire. The way my charger is, it's behind my fence. But I also, you can park out the front. And I would be quite happy to have a destination charger there and say, okay, for charity this year, I'm going to spend $500 on letting people charge at my uh, yeah. house. And that would be lots and lots of charges, and it's really not that much. And if it yeah. accelerates people saying, boy, there's a lot of these through sub suburbia and everywhere that people just let you plug in, go for it. That's Can I how do we a plug here? Can I do a plug? Yes, please. <laughs> a plug, get it? It's a, a plug it's for a, plug share. It's a plug. So plug share used to be, I can't remember what it was called before. It was created by a Tesla owner yeah. who was looking for a place to plug in before superchargers existed yeah. and created this app, which you can put your charger on and 
In my neighborhood, there's two other Tesla owners and a Volt owner mm-hmm. in good old Culver City. And they've listed on here. And it says, basically, there's a plug. It's to the left of the driveway. Uh, give me a call if you want to plug in or just come by and plug in. Right. And have I ever done it? No. Right. But if I was desperate, and I, I was the other night, I actually drove home and I had like zero miles for the last mile and a half. Ooh. My son and I were like looking at each other. <laughs> it was it was kind of an exciting event. Yeah. Father son Doesn't bonding. Sound very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. It was great. But if I had to, yeah. I could have just ditched, rolled into their driveway and plugged in for I don't well, know. Well, actually I should minutes. say I already have that uh, public charging station because Robert's plugged in right now and uh, last year your wife calls me and goes, "Oh my god, I got zero bars. Can I plug it <laughs> right. at your house?" Should, I, should I list you? <laughs> no. No. I actually listed the uh, office. Right, but the so co- I used the, to have a uh, but studio, the, and I listed it on Plunkshire. So when people come by, but I I always look at it, but I've never I've never used it. I've never called them up. I always try to find the public one downtown LA. That's not how I found the one on the street that we talked about in the last uh, episode, but it was listed on that street, and there are several other private ones sort of around there. I think Plugshare is fascinating from that perspective, but I would really like to hear their data on how many people are actually using people's private homes. Because there have been times where in the RAV in the past where we've been places where I couldn't supercharge, obviously, that it would have been helpful, but I've always been sort of afraid. I always try to find a college or right. or some other yeah, seems or a a car little, dealer or something like that. It, it seems a little bit intrusive to drive does, up to yeah. somebody's house, but I can see this app as it develops uh, getting to the point where you can sort of text the person. They say, yeah, you're good to be there for three hours and uh, or I need two hours and yes, that's fine. Right. Just to make it a little bit easier. Yes, I'm coming. Is it okay? I've got a blue Tesla or whatever. I did that up in the Sierras on the way to – to Yosemite. I think I talked about it on a prior show. Yeah. Stopped in Awani, California. Mm-hmm. Really nice man. Has a a uh, 1450 plug, right? The dryer plug on the outside of his garage shed. Mm-hmm. And he let me plug in for two hours, allowed me to get all the way to Yosemite. This was before there was a supercharger in Fresno. And it was fantastic. He was sweet. It was nice to make a connection with somebody, but it's certainly not as fast as zipping in or I should say backing in to a Tesla (laughs) supercharger, plug in, sit in your car, take a snooze, read the newspaper, and unplug and boom, you're gone in 30 minutes. But did you find that guy through PlugShare? That's how you found it? Yes. So so that's interesting. So you have used it. You've used it for for what they really originally intended it for. It has expanded into that and destination chargers and superchargers. And it's really important for people like Volt drivers and for Leaf drivers and the – Fiat 500e. Yeah, people who have like a seventy to a hundred mile range, they may really need it to get up to Santa Barbara yeah. or you know do a distance drive. But it takes four freaking ever to charge those cars. You could pee at someone's house for four hours. Pee at someone's house for four hours? No, B. Oh, B. B. Yeah, B or P. Yeah. B. Actually, I'm plugging in, and I'd like to use your bathroom. What's for lunch? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, can I borrow your toaster oven? Yeah. Well, uh, could you change your chill? <laughs> I don't like golf. It's ridiculous. All right. Let's talk about big trucks now. Uh, if you go back in time a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rob and uh, Tom here had a little bit of a discussion, a little fight, little, uh, little, a little tete-a-tete, a little thing. Tom was saying, it's ridiculous, you can't have electric trucks, and Rob's like, yeah, it's all good, or vice versa, who even, who even remembers? Who knows? Who even I, it cares? sounds pretty similar to what So uh, somebody, Rob here, found that they are actually making gigantic trucks with gigantic batteries. Please explain. It's a concept at this point. The truck is the concept. The truck the looks so uber It looks cool. cool. But the turbine is the most interesting part of the truck, right? It's not really about the battery, although it does have- This is from, come on, explain it. This is from, from the Virgin Electric. It's a Nikola Motor Company. Oddly enough, Nikola, as in Nikola Tesla. Yes. Right? So they named it after exactly. that. And they make this big rig. I think it has about a 330 kilowatt battery. Stop but for it- a second. Did you get that? 330 kilowatt battery. If you put Mega. that in your S, you could drive across the, the Go to the moon. <laughs> no, you couldn't move because it would be really heavy. Than the S. Okay. Imagine how heavy that would be, though. Uh, so it's got a battery pack, and then it's got a turbine that I believe is is energized through CNG, yes, compressed natural gas, and that's sort of what is charging the batteries as that's it's how they driving. have twelve hundred miles, right? Twelve hundred mile range, amazing. But what they don't talk about, at least I didn't see in this article, was can it can it pull a normal load? Can it pull that normal load uphill? Does it have the same twelve hundred miles? How fast can you recharge the three thirty? And it's a cool. Where do truck. they recharge that? At a truck stop, I'm sure. Yeah. You'll put in like some super, super duper charger. How long will it take to? Well, 
Well, maybe they'll have like four or six supercharger Separate plugs, plugs, yeah. and they'll all pull, you know, four hundred and eighty volts and two hundred amps, and you'll do it through multiple chargers and multiple banks of batteries. But, but again, like if 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 it's the same similar technology to the next thing we're going to talk about, which was the Proterra electric bus, which I really dug, really? has the same. 330 watt battery pack and that can fully recharge in 90 minutes according to them it's got a 194 mile range at the full at the top end of it but the most fascinating thing about this that i found and i don't understand why los angeles hasn't completely moved to these buses money sure but they're actually cheaper if you if you believe the stuff on the so this was an electric story what's it called electric 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 story on the Proterra electric bus. These are, they have two different sizes of this bus and you can configure it. So if you have a bus route in a, in a town that you know is 60 miles, you go in there and you go, it's a 60 mile route. It goes eight or nine times in a 24 hour period, right? They will configure a bus specifically for that route that will work all day. And it's very, very cool looking bus. They have this overhead charging thing that if you pull up to, you know how like sometimes you get to a bus and it's sitting there for 10 minutes. Yes. It's like a turnover. They're waiting for a new driver. They have a, they have a ability to have a charger on the roof and this little thing comes out and it just clicks onto it and it can charge in like 10 minutes. It can get back up to, to power. So it could stop a couple of times a day for five or 10 minutes and sort of recharge like a supercharging. I believe it's 480 Volts. Volt system, charging system. This thing is fascinating. Electric buses are not new. San, they're all over San Francisco, except they're all attached by those hideous, Players. ugly wires. Right. So to me, in a while, but yeah. the interesting thing is, right, so San Francisco already has the infrastructure. They could get rid of the wires and keep the posts up at some of the spots, and they could switch to these buses. And the cost, I, I went in, on the website, on on uh, Proterra's website, you can put in all this information about blah, blah, blah. It'll tell you, you know, there's no emissions, obviously. They'll give you cost per mile per per rider and it's all right there in front of it and my guess is that the math on this thing adds up yeah, yeah. the the so i grew up in uh australia and in melbourne which is a big city four or five million people they have the same thing they have the tram system with the little uh, arm that goes up and it's electrified and that's cool what they're talking about with a number of these now is you know we're talking about these electrified roads but for buses just like you said you don't need to electrify the whole road because they keep going to stops so if you just had one of these inductive charges at the stops it stopped for five minutes ten minutes and then at the next one it stops over, and it can just keep doing this trickle charge so even right. if you only have a hundred mile range but that day you're going to drive 300 miles they're charging every time it stops at those places right it's good and they're not going 90 miles an hour, so they're really efficient as far as that whole thing goes. And it's, I think that's actually a pretty exciting thing. I would hate to be, you know, I hate to be behind even the CNG buses. I don't like the fumes that come off of those. So this could be pretty cool for a lot of cities. And the, the company is actually doing work into the technology to do the inductive road work again, because they're all on, they're always on the same path. It's a known route every day. They're not diverging. What are you showing us here? This I, is I like listening to public radio when I'm sitting in traffic. Not always, but much of the time. And so I got this little pop-up when I was going to KPCC, one of my P, uh, NPR stations, and it says Foothill Transit, going good places, all electric buses by 2030. So, And that's so, the Proterra bus, it looks yeah, like, it on, does. The, on the photo. So. And this came up just as you were uh, that's showing cool. me the pictures on web. Oh, nice. So it's like. It's a synergy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's we're happening. all moving. You know, we've gone from uh, the internal combustion engine, and then we went to hybrids, and they were good. Um, and now we're going all electric. But before we get there, we might have to do some more transitional technology. What the hell is a mild hybrid? Mild hybrid. What is that? I so saw that, it? and I was like, it's like mildly hmm. pregnant. What is this? That's it's not like a thing. I'm almost pregnant. I'm kind <laughs> of pregnant. I've never been pregnant. I, I think I might be pregnant. I'm not sure if I'm pregnant. Oh, is that my baby? <laughs> is that what this is? So a mild hybrid is basically taking an ICE car, right? Internal combustion engine car. Ooh. And instead of having a starter, if you, most people probably here are kind of car savvy. So you have a starter, which is a motor that turns the engine over so that the engine can get started. That's why we don't have cranks on cars anymore. Mm-hmm. Those went out those. in the 20s. And so take the starter out, which is basically a motor, put in a bi-directional generator motor so that when you come to the stoplight you can have the software in the car turn off the engine 
Uh, then when it's time to get going again, the software can get the starter to quickly start the engine back up. You drive as you're slowing down and you're touching the brake. Instead of the brakes engaging, this starter motor starts dragging on the engine and slowing it down and pulling electricity out. They, they couple that with a 48-volt lithium-ion battery and voila, you end up with both regenerative uh, energy capture. You have the ability to cut down on idling time. You might have a little bit of energy boost to the car. They say it runs about a thousand to twelve hundred dollars, and they can retrofit lots of cars today that are made with these fully um, integrated computer systems. So this is like what like hybrids do right now. It's a basically, um, but you have to build it from scratch. So this is taking your car and retrofitting it for a thousand bucks to turn it into a Mild, Mild hybrid. hybrid. Not quite the full hybrid. Uh, solar stuff that I want to talk about. I always like to throw something in there. And I just found this uh, article from the New York Times. Very interesting. Awesome. That uh, we put solar on lots of different places. But now people have realized a really good place to put solar is on aqueducts. Now, around LA, we have lots of aqueducts. We have no actual water here. So we, <laughs> we pipe it in from other papers. We put it in these giant lakes around the city. Uh-huh. And the problem is it's really hot here and it evaporates out. So one yeah. of the tricks that they do at the LA aqueduct is that they take these Chuck E. Cheese balls and they throw them on the top of the water. And it stops the birds and stuff pooping in the water. And it also significantly reduces evaporation. Well, what a number of uh, people have realized is that's a really good place to put floating solar panels. So you drop the solar panels on there. That uh, Solar panels are much more efficient when they're cooler. So the water underneath the solar panel cools it down. 57% more efficient in some cases. Reduces the evaporation, increases the effectiveness of the solar panels. So this is something that's sort of exploding. And I love it. I'm going to now put solar panels in my pool. <laughs> no, you're not. Sorry, that's, you can't swim that, today, kids. I've got 57% more efficiency. No swimming in the aqueduct, please. This I is think, happening in Japan, and yeah, just hopefully they're not awesome. using the electricity from the solar panels to hydrolyze the water and feed yeah. hydrogen. <laughs> but, a, but a country like Japan that has some land issues, right? They do have a lot of these open water aqueducts, and a lot of places that just don't like the way solar panels look – most of the time, you you don't ever see the aqueducts. Like the only time you would see the aqueducts in Los Angeles is if you were taking a jog around them, which is what people do around here. We jog around our aqueducts. We don't. We're not allowed in them because race, we're, we're race pretty dirty and do people. Water skiing. Yeah, but like you wouldn't do it in places like Pyramid Lake or Castaic Lake, obviously, where people are using them for recreation. But there's a ton of these things that don't. I love the fact that they're more than fifty-seven percent more efficient, and in Japan. The one that they built on that reservoir was like is going to be like fifty thousand panels. It's huge. No, it's five thousand homes powered. It's very cool. This is all part of the you know everything we can do to improve efficiency and improve uh, solar energy. You know, it can only help a fifty percent percent increase in efficiency is enormous. Like having twice as many panels, crazy. Hey, you want to talk about Freakonomics Radio before we do our letters? Yeah, I was uh, I was tooling around on the web. I like the Freakonomics podcast i highly recommend it yeah and they had one that's called hey baby is that a a prius you're driving (laughs) and basically it was a great economics view of why people drive what they drive and they talked to some really great uh economics researchers who looked at why is the prius selling so well it's an ugly car well they didn't say that (laughs) it doesn't drive very nice and it sells like hotcakes it's like the number one hybrid but the thing that was uh, notable about the Prius is that it does not look like any other car. So Ford makes a hybrid, but they also make a gas version. And VW makes a hybrid and or an electric. It looks like the gas version. So when you're driving it, people look at you, they go, oh, another Toyota, oh, another VW. If you drive a Prius, they look at you and they say, oh, baby, you're driving a hybrid. And so there's the psychology around it. So that's why we all drive Teslas, right? Because when we drive around, they say, Hey, baby, that's an electric Tesla. (laughs) That's true. So you drive your car in the United States. I don't know how it works in other countries. Is a reflection of who you are. So if you want to tell the world I'm ridiculously rich, you get a ridiculously expensive car and you flaunt it. In Los Angeles. Let's not say in America. It's an L.A. thing. It's Silicon Valley. It's L.A., California. So if you want to say – if you want to sort of flaunt your green credentials, you drive a Prius. And i got to tell you that when I got my – um, Volt, um, not my Volt, my Leaf. Leaf, you had the option of putting fully electric on a banner and it cost like 500 bucks more. And I specifically 
had them put that on there because I wanted to have people go, that's a fully electric car? Tell me about that. Yeah. And if you're a Tesla driver, you'll find that all the time. Not as much now as before people use them, but people come up, well, tell us about that. How far does it go? Uh, what's the deal with this car? Spread you become lows. part of the spreading of it the It depends love. on where you go. Like in Redlands, I pulled into a thing to get some uh, acid tablets. Acid. Some, some stomach, some antacid. Acid. Oh, some meth. Some, oh, an, some anti-acid. Oh, okay. And, and, and as I was coming out of the, the mart, this guy was putting air in his tires. He had parked next to me, and he's like, nice car, man. But like, you don't. I don't get that here when I'm driving the Tesla. I never get it. The only thing I ever get with the Rav Four is every once in a while a valet guy will be like, "This thing's totally electric, really." <laughs> like I didn't even know that existed. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's fully electric." Yeah, there's and then there's four hundred of but them, but it doesn't happen very often with the Rav. But yeah. with the Tesla, this was the first time anybody's, you know. And in LA, there's ten thousand of them. As I was getting off the freeway to come here, there was a carrier, a Tesla. First time I'd ever seen right. a Tesla carrier. Had you know ten Teslas, couple X's on it, and I don't know where it was going, but it didn't get off at Winnetka. I thought maybe you'd had like a, a secret shipment for all of <laughs> yeah, us. Like. Yeah, yeah, everybody. <laughs> so uh, again, uh, people really criticize this. You'll get people who are just inflamed by this. Every anything that appears to be green, they just lose the plot. Yeah, and so oh yeah, so you bought a hundred thousand dollar car that's five thousand pounds that's not as efficient as a little tiny electric car because right. you're an with this idea that there's just such antagonism by certain groups that you should do something green. I specifically do shit because it's green and I want people to know about it. I know that within that, it's there is sort of these, what's the word I'm looking for, incongruities. If I really wanted to be green, I wouldn't have a $100,000 car. I'd buy the cheapest electric car I can and I'd put up more panels and I'd buy and panels from my bicycle. neighbors. And you and take the bicycle. bus a lot more. But at the same time, I understand that, but I'm trying to be green and at the same time, I'm having a midlife crisis and I want to enjoy it. But that's a but but it's but the thing about it is is like it has to be available for everybody on every level, right? So you have people who take public transportation, electric buses, people who want to drive fast nice sports cars, Teslas, right? There's the nice thing about this is, right, we're getting something for everyone at this point. There's electric bicycles, electric buses, electric cars that are $35,000, electric motorcycles. There's that uh the same company that made that uh the bus I think it was the same company, has a, like an off-road electric thing that has some solar panels, right? So again, it's not about one thing. It's about solving the emissions problem at, through the entire ecosystem of transportation, which is what the important thing has to be for it to get the widespread adoption instead of the 2% or the 0.5% that it currently currently has. We have to end this thing. It has gone so long and some sucker has to edit it and that's me. So sucker. let's do some letters. And the first one is from Lionel Meza. And it says, just a quick note. But I've just seen four X's this weekend, two of them within the last 15 minutes. They were different colors. And uh, I saw my first one about three weeks ago. I live in San Luis Obispo, which is a little city in the mid-coast of California, which is quite lovely. And uh, <laughs> they were not on the 101, which is a big freeway that goes right through San Luis Obispo. They're at the local store. They're at the church. They're on smaller roads. What's going on? And I think what's going on is that they're selling a lot of X's. Yeah, the production has been ramped up. They're getting them out there. Elon's, you know, sitting in his comfy chair at the end of the line, getting in them, driving around, and then boop, they're good enough. So about 40% of the cars coming off um, at Tesla right now are X's. And you also note that the closer you get to the Fremont factory, the more of these you see. Yeah. Um, and people are driving them down to LA. They bought them at the factory. They mm-hmm. stop at San Luis Obispo and stuff. Yeah. You would think... If you lived in California, between where we are here in Los Angeles and San Francisco, driving those freeways, as Robert does all the time and we do all the time, that uh, about 50% of the cars in the world are Teslas. (laughs) (laughs) My brother just came from uh, uh, Australia and he's got a Tesla and he says he'll drive for days around Melbourne, a city of 5 million people and not see another Tesla driver. He got off the freeway here and he's like, what the hell is going (laughs) on between your house 30 minutes away and the LAX? I'm like, he's like, stop counting when I got to 50. They're just everywhere. There are. They're everywhere. If you want to have a status symbol, then you have a choice between a Hummer and a Tesla I say, please choose the Tesla. Please. That's the message I'd like you to get out as a limousine liberal. The nice thing is that it turns even ugly guys like us into eco-celebrities. Ooh, I like that. Eco-celebrity. Yeah, the best thing right now, still, it won't last for very much longer, but if you go into any parking lot and you open up the Falcon Wing doors, every 10-year-old kid comes up and goes, wow! I'm like, yes, I'm a legend amongst 10-year-old children. (laughs) (laughs) And I paid for that. There were no X's at the Cucamonga Charger. None. All S's. There are like 10 of them. 
But uh, Robert but tells us he's in Culver City, which is more in a city LA that you see X's every five seconds. Yeah, they're all over the yeah, place. Yeah, there's a lot. But 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 Culver City is Silicon Valley South, right? Culver City, Santa Monica. Yes. That area Venice, yeah. has become very, very tech-heavy. Google is in Venice, I believe, right? Yes. I expect the first 200,000 Model 3s will be sold in Culver City. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Culver City will be sorry, completely electric. Sorry about your supercharger, buddy. <laughs> hey, look, we've run out of time. We've gone way past time. Uh, boys, thanks for coming. It was uh, Robert fun. is between shifts. He went and saved lives yesterday. He came. He drove all the way here. Hmm. Now he's going to go back and save some more lives. But at least he got to plug in on my uh, yeah. solar panels in the not yet public supercharger. Yeah. that is Mel's. We're going to we're going to open up to the public. No, we're not. Well, it's behind a <laughs> gate, yet. so it'll be a little harder. Right. And uh, to Thomas, what are you doing today, Thomas? I'm going to work. Going to going to listen to some audio. Audio, and you're going to drive electric. I'm going to drive the RAV over there. I just drove my RAV to Oak Park. I'm going to drive it to the office. I'm fully charged over the weekend because I like to charge the cars over the weekend because it's cheaper. Yeah. It's non-peak rates on the DWP if you charge Saturday and Sunday. I do at my house a lot of dishes, a lot of laundry, and a lot of car charging you- Saturday and Sunday or after dark because it's cheaper. I'm so happy right now. The sun is out. It's not too hot. The air conditioner isn't on. I'm driving Two Teslas. The wife's got one. I've got one. Yeah. And uh, we have so much extra energy. Awesome. Good show. Talking Tesla 35 out. Why? Because we're talking. 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 Talking.